Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we are on day 10. If you're looking for a feel-good, comfortable podcast, uh, this might not be the one for you. For today, we ask the Lord, from the restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. Uh, I find this one to be so uncomfortable because on the one hand, trust finds God in every moment to recognize the glory of eternity breaking into the here and the now. And in such a real way, there's no other place to find God other than here and now. God is. It's who he is. God is. And so to find God in reality This is then uncomfortable because we live in a world that is just completely, constantly bombarded with noises, screens, and distractions such that anything truly transcendent is so uncomfortable. For most of us, silence is so awkward. Uh, His eminence, Cardinal Robert Seurat, has this great book on the power of silence, and he talks about how We've almost become so accustomed to permanent background noise that it both sickens us and yet reassures us. He'll call it the dictatorship of noise, right? And I'm just, I'm assuming I don't need to convince you of this, right? And just in our our world, how this is the norm, that there will always be some sort of background music, background noise, some screen on. And we've just become accustomed to it. And where does it come from? Oh, truly to be able to appreciate it comes from the fact that we have a heart with a deep, deep desire, an infinite desire to be filled with infinite love. And this is hard. This is not easy. And so what's a lot more easy are the convenient consumptions of media, entertainment, or whatever the next dopamine hit might be. Maybe it's a substance, maybe it's caffeine or nicotine or some sort of sweet chocolate, or maybe it is just like the scrolling on our screens. Like, what am I doing here? It's like most people would admit that they scroll on their phones because they're bored. It's like, well, how come with boredom do we automatically go to something that can be immediately stimulated or stimulating? Uh, I've come to really appreciate just the impact that this is having on our world. I've had the opportunity to read a couple books, listen to a couple documentaries. You know, it's out there. It's, I'm nowhere near an expert in any of this. But I've had a chance to kind of talk to some of the students that I've had the chance to teach about this. And or just about social media, its impact, and and all the ways that... We so give in to being distracted, 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 and how the Lord so wants to break us free 
from this restless self-seeking in the present moment. It's just really sad that when you look at the statistics, there um, had been for a while through the early 2000s, these growing numbers of increase, increasing numbers in anxiety and depression, even suicidal ideation, etc. But then right around 2011, 2012, these numbers just start to skyrocket. More loneliness, more anxiety, more depression, more insecurity, more suicides. And it's like, well, what happened? It's like, <laughs> the, the, so something, ha- oh, around 2012, you have this great historical moment where the iPhone became widely accessible to to many, many people. And so we just see this um, direct correlation between these two events. And, and sometimes we're still like, how did the world get like this? How are we so miserable and lonely and cut off and isolated more so than ever before? And oh yeah, and more anxious and more depressed. And in so many ways, it comes from not just the phone, right? Sometimes it's an easy scapegoat, right? The problem is not the phone. The problem is we are made for infinite love. We're, we're made for reality. We're made for relationship. And instead we cope with the difficulty of that and have traded, substituted the glorious call to the banquet of love, of authentic relationships for the counterfeit of a quick hit, a quick fix, a quick hookup, a quick um, scroll, whatever it is, just to get us that, that immediate sense sensation. So, yeah, this is going to be a challenging one. This is going to be a challenging day to really come to see, like, where do I need to ask the Lord to deliver me from this restless self-seeking in the present moment? Just interesting, we see a lot of these trends coming through this um, next generation uh, of those children born around the years of 1995 to 2012, right? These are the children who are, uh, they only know a time with the internet, kind of a kind of a reality, and just how they have been fully formed in this mindset. And yet the reality is that these trends are not just for the this next generation, but this generation is kind of highlighting what is affecting all of us um, and exhibiting behaviors that are really similar to someone with an addict. They've like their relationship with their phone is the first thing they do whenever they wake up and it's the last thing they look at or um, tend to before they go to bed. The average person will look at their phone about a hundred times a day. And just to think about all the different phantom beeps, buzzes, vibrations, right? All it's this like constant, like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I even remember a time whenever it was impossible to think about leaving the home without your wallet. Like you just couldn't, couldn't fathom it. And now it's like people will leave their home with uh, barely anything on, barely anything on them. And yet never without their phone, you'll see an utter panic attack. And maybe you've been there too. It can be because we've so come to depend on our phones that to not have it with us or to not know where it is can be sadly a very frightening experience. So that's an interesting connection. 
in terms of what we're talking about trust. We're talking about dependence. What do we depend on? What do we really depend on? And is it a screen? Is it a phone that we depend on? I'm kind of laughing because in comparison to how the Lord calls us to completely trust in him, uh, it's a, it would be a sorry counterfeit. It would be a sorry counterfeit. And yet here, most of us are really struggling with looking at being present I know, yeah, I just know so many people who who can really struggle with this. One person that I know and respect greatly even got a a tattoo on their their hand that I believe, if I remember correctly, says, be here, be here. Just a reminder of, for him to be present, which is kind of an interesting thought. And perhaps you've thought of this already, but in a real way, we are limited creatures to this space and this time. And as much as many of us might strive for the spiritual heights of bilocation, we're still locked into one one place at one time. And yet, psychologically, we can be a lot of different places than being present in this moment, in this space, to these people around us. There's nothing more sad, I'm hoping you can agree with me, than going to a restaurant and seeing whether it's a whole family or a whole group of kids, everyone with their phones out. And you just wonder like, who, who are they talking to? And how come with all the, you know, supposed effort to get there out at lunch, out at dinner, or just out for a, a coffee to like, to come together, they're so interested in talking to the other people who aren't there. It's like, what if you actually just yeah, allowed yourself to be present to those people and even gave yourself over to whatever was the awkward silence of trying to be present to one another. Silence uh, is just not bad. It's not evil. Sometimes we think about it as evil today and it's it's so not. Um, yeah, so how, how are you and I called to really be present to those people who are around us? And to be present to in that, recognizing the deep ache that you and I all have that are are meant to be filled. God doesn't give us aches. He doesn't give us desires to torture us. These desires that he gives us are meant to point us to the eternal reality of what we're made for, which is infinite happiness, infinite love, infinite truth uh, that is him. But we get tastes of it all along the way. And so, yeah, how about being present to ourselves? This is a really important one. I remember going away on a silent retreat for the first time when I entered seminary, and it was terrifying. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit more of an introvert, so it was maybe more smooth of a transition than than others who just kind of need to be in co- contact, talking with others. And yet still, it was very telling even within the first couple of hours of this silent retreat, I believe the first one I went on was just a couple, it was a weekend or something. So not all that long, but if you've never been uh, completely silent and by silent, I mean, not just not talking, but there's a lot of nonverbal things that we do all the time with like acknowledging others when maybe it's a head nod an eyebrow raise or a smile or something like that. All of that is talking. 
And so strictly speaking, a silent retreat would say, you walk around with your head down and you allow yourself just to be recollected to yourself and God. And this taught me so much and has taught me, and I continue uh, throughout these years to make time for a silent retreat, to give myself time to, first of all, be present to myself. What are those things going on in my own mind and my own heart that I need to be present to? And this is where the temptation of our consumeristic world is so tempting because I can avoid that ache or that uh, sense of anxiety or loneliness or even pain or fear, like whatever it is, it's easy to cover it up and to numb ourselves to what's actually going on. But peace comes from acknowledging it. Peace comes from bringing it to our own attention and ultimately to the Lord. And this might seem scary. What what happens whenever I uncover, oh, this little thing that's bubbling up isn't just a little thing. It's actually a much bigger thing. It, it reveals a deeper desire for healing in this place in my life or in this relationship. Oh, better to bring it to the light than to keep pushing it down and repressing it and covering it with different forms of stimulation or distractions. So in the silent retreat, there were so many beautiful ways just to experience God wanting to break through to these present moments, to these present moments. And even to, to come, you know, there's there's a lot of hours in our, our day, believe it or not, whenever we cut out all the distractions. And so with no screens, no email, no phone, no um, errands or, or different things to do, you spend a lot of time in prayer, you have a couple meals, and the rest of it is just time to be, and even to be bored, even be bored. And here's a, like a great, great teaching opportunity. Like boredom is not bad. Sometimes we're so afraid of boredom. Like couldn't imagine our kids being bored or I would never want to be bored or boredom is raw potential for creativity, for adventure, for love, for poetry, for art, for song, dance, games, whatever it is, right? And that we would be afraid of boredom. It's like some of the greatest authors and artists had their creativity blossom from giving themselves an opportunity to be bored and to think and to ponder. And so that the we too wouldn't be afraid of that. Uh, one other thing that I, I just found kind of inspiring from the story of blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, please pray for him that he might rise to the full height of canonization as a saint. He's a, a blessed right now. And uh, I think we're still waiting for another miracle or two for him to be a, a full saint. He was just a holy man. He was a holy man. He only lived to be 24, but I appreciate it in terms of the restless self-seeking in the present moment. Deliver me, Jesus. Here, he had so much pressure in his time, which was, uh, yeah, just a little over or around 100 years ago. Even then, he had so much pressure in his time to be productive and to be efficient and to be successful in all these different ways that from his father in this successful um, city paper business that he had and his mother too, just in the same mindset, you should be studying, you should be working, you should be out like making a difference, so to speak. There was no opportunity for them to see how 
he was finding God in all things. And he was present in these different moments, and especially to the simple ones, the little ones, and the poor around the city. This um, moment of his death really was one that has always stuck with me. That he died when he was only 24 years old after contracting polio. And from all accounts, his mom and dad seemed to think of his of their son as being somewhat of a, I wouldn't say failure necessarily, but somebody just like had so much more to live for, right? If only he could have lived longer and really made more of a difference. And the account is that truly, as Sister Faustina said, that they were shocked whenever at his funeral, the cathedral there where he was at his funeral mass was packed. And then whenever they went in procession from the cathedral to the cemetery, the streets were lined with thousands of thousands of different people that he had affected. Most of these poor that he had given away his his money, his lunch, his own clothes. And to really appreciate what looked like a complete waste of time was actually him giving himself, completely trusting God desires for me to be present to him in this moment and in that going out of myself and loving. And the Lord was just just able to transform those moments. Here's how Sister Faustina says says it. This is on page 65, um, about three quarters of the way down at the end of the third paragraph. When God breaks in, we realize time is an eternal exchange. Every minute has infinite value. When God breaks in, we realize time is an eternal exchange. Every minute has infinite value. What a game changer in being able to think this way about each moment being an invitation to be present to God, being present to us so that we might be present to those people around us. And here in these powerful moments, God can transform us and transform the the world around us. How about, where do we see this in scripture? Where do we see this? Uh, Sister Faustina gives us the great, great example of our Blessed Mother Mary, who's such a powerful figure and a, a great one in general for us to run to and entrust our hearts to as we, yeah, maybe kind of struggle with, yeah, this is me. I really struggle to be present and I really struggle to acknowledge the ache in my heart and my loneliness and my uh, anxiety, what, whatever the suffering is, this can be really, Mary is such a soft way, gentle way, inviting way to come and just to find consolation. Like it's, it's okay. It, it's okay. And to, to go to her, she witnesses this in a powerful way of her annunciation that Gabriel announced that she would conceive and bear a son in a way that is connected to the miraculous birth of her cousin Elizabeth, who for her her whole life was barren and now is conceived. And in a lot of ways, this is hard for me to fully appreciate. Um, I think, yeah, just being a man, but here's, here's Mary coming into what had to be on a natural human experience, something completely overwhelming, potentially stressful and fearful in in all of the ways that uh, I can only begin to 
imagine. And her first inclination is to run and to seek out Elizabeth. She went in haste to her cousin Elizabeth. And this is not to avoid the difficult, arduous, grave situation that she's in, right? That she has this incredible now responsibility of being the mother of God. She's not running away from it. No, but in this, she's so ordered not to this restless self-seeking. How can I be served? How can I be satisfied? How, how can I be stimulated, right? Away from like really acknowledging reality as it's unfolding. She's present to reality and she's present to generosity, going out of herself and serving her, her cousin Elizabeth. This is glorious, and this is for all of us, too. One other moment that I think is really important, and it's found in the Gospels, where Jesus, in the height of his ministry, had this moment where he invites his disciples away to a lonely place to rest for a while. Come away. Come away to a lonely place. Maybe you've heard that that line before. I... This is, this is the Jesus that I want to know, right? Who's the one who has the greatest mission of any person of all of history? He has the mission. He has the responsibility. Literally, salvation, eternal salvation is at stake based on his faithfulness to this mission. In his humanity, do you think that there were temptations to freak out, stress out, be overwhelmed, and to just like cave into endless efficiency, endless productivity, endless uh, sleepless nights or worrying or, you know, trying to make different connections, making plans so that we can do this and go here and give this talk and do this healing and make sure that everyone sees it and kind of pulling all these things together. And here's Jesus who recognizes that more than being productive or efficient or making a difference in the world, he's called to faithfulness. And so that Jesus has time and time again these opportunities for ministry that he actually sacrifices so that he can be present to his heavenly father in prayer. Yeah, he spent some sleepless nights awake, but it wasn't in anxiety. It wasn't in giving into the fear of uh, the future or worrying about the past. He was present to his heavenly father in the moment so that he could be filled by him. Do you remember in the introduction, Sister Faustina gives this great image of the heart, the, the heart that on the one hand has um, an open valve to the right and an open valve to the left. And on the right is the, the valve that's able to receive and to be filled with love. And on the other hand is the valve that goes out, that's able to give and to pour into others. And the heart in the middle is this reservoir that's able to receive and to take in love and to hold on to it. And this is a great image for how we can't give what we don't have. And so if we ourselves are not in the present moment, allowing God to fill us with his love, fill us with his grace, remind us of who we are in our deepest identity, that we're not our greatest success, we're not our greatest failure, we're not the sum of our greatest accomplishments or how productive we are, we are beloved sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. We are um, made in His image and likeness. 
glorious in his eyes. And then when we receive that, now we're free to go out of ourselves and to really serve him and to know him and to love him. So again, out of all the things that we could read or listen to, I invite you to go away to a lonely place by yourself. Well, invite the Lord too. But by yourself, uh, to be there, present to yourself, present to present to him, and to really carve out this this time of how you can be uh, disposed to allow that deep desire of your heart for infinite love to be present to him, to that beauty, to that truth, and to that goodness, and to relate these things. Where are those different places that we like to be distracted? Where are those different places where out of boredom we run to this outlet or this distraction as opposed to running to him? Here's the last thing before we get into our, our litany. Freedom is so possible. More than possible, right? Not like it could be possible. Freedom is possible for each and every one of us to break out of these different habits, these different addictions, these different coping mechanisms. And freedom comes from Jesus Christ. Freedom comes from the ability to give our hearts completely to him. And so the more that we bring our hearts and ask the Lord to deliver us from this restless self-seeking in the present moment and to acknowledge, oh yeah, 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 in these moments where I'm overwhelmed or when I'm stressed or when I'm anxious, I'm like, I, I turn to food or I turn to entertainment or I turn to gossip or I turn to music or I turn to just busyness. When I identify these things, now whenever I get to these moments where I'm tempted to, to run, I can now um, intentionally choose to give my heart to, to the Lord, to make this act of trust. Jesus, I trust in you. I'm not just going to go to food. I'm not just going to go to this entertainment or I'm not just going to go to this scrolling or this, this distraction. And that's where we experience freedom, freedom. Uh, and, and just praying that the Lord would deliver me and set me free to give my entire heart to him. With that, let's turn to our Lord and pray, pray wholeheartedly the litany of trust. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. 
that you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins or failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan. That you that you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Drybones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.